You are listening to a Nerd Room podcast production. We the Nerd. Bunch of nerds. Hey everyone and welcome to Nerd. We talk about things Star Wars, Marvel, DC, and beyond. This is episode number 272. We're discussing Joker 2, Craven the Hunter, and the future of physical media. I'm one of your hosts, Tim. I'm Carlos. And I'm Sanjay. And you know, guys, we're talking Craven the Hunter this week, but our Craven the Hunter, the Nerd Room Craven the Hunter, is missing again. This is three weeks. This is the longest Troy's ever gone not being on the podcast. This man is out on the grind. And hopefully at some point in the not-too-distant future, Troy will be back on the pod. Everyone's favorite podcaster will be here to break down what is going to be an epic month in Nerd by the time we hear his voice again here. So, don't worry, guys. I'm not going to cut my hair or shave until Troy gets back. (laughs) When he gets back, I'm going to shave everything. There it goes. arms, legs, just everything. I really hope you come like one of those cats next week, Sonny. No, like a swimmer, Olympic swimmer. There you go. (laughs) Of the body of an Olympic swimmer who's been retired for 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, you have got myself, Carlos, and Sanjay. This week, the trio that brought you last week's episode, we're going to follow it up this week. And actually, we're going to broach a similar subject that we talked about last week. There was a really nice conversation that we had, a very energetic conversation we had at the end of last week's episode around physical media and what and how that is transitioning from what we had and what we're used to to this new streaming service, this new digital media era. And Sanjay is going to take the reins on this one and walk us through this discussion in a bit of detail. And we're going to break down our thoughts on that and our opinions on that. Yes, you heard some of them last week, but we've had some time to digest to think about that. We thought it'd be good to follow up last week's episode with a sequel and, and provide some more commentary around that. So look for that at the end of the episode. We're also going to touch on another sequel, and that's Joker 2, the film that... I would say most of us thought was not going to get a sequel is River to be getting some sort of follow-up. Maybe not a true sequel, but a follow-up indeed by the same director, Todd Phillips, coming back and writing and potentially directing that. And also, like I mentioned, Craven the Hunter has been cast. We've got Quicksilver coming to the Sony universe in the same form and confusing form that we got Quicksilver going back to the MCU. I don't know what's going on here, guys, but we've got a new Craven the Hunter. And they seem to be forming their own Sinister Six over there at Sony as they anticipate and as they wait for Tom Holland to make the jump from No Way Home straight into that new Sony-verse. So we're going to talk about those rumors as well. But guys, first things first, we've got to kick this thing off like we always do. And that's with our weeks in Nerd. And Sonny, I want to throw this to you first. You're always asking to go first on these. I don't have much. But I want you to take the first crack at this one, man. What has been going on with you this week what has been going on with me this week um in nerd you know i i got this film came over from the uk they shipped it overseas it came in a package (laughs) and um it it came from the uk do you know where that is if if i drew you a map would that make small little island is it a society sanjay I believe so. British society is very, very different, I would say, than Canadian society. Someone who's not lived in England or even visited England, I'll just make that assumption based on Austin Powers and James Bond. They're either a super spy and they're always well-dressed. You know, you've never seen a British man not dress nicely. The term is smart. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, so I came over. I'm sure like when they put this movie in the package, it was a nice dressed super spy who put it in for me. And um, it's Zack Snyder's Justice League. Ooh. Got physical release in Europe. Not in North America yet. That comes later on in July. But uh, yeah, so I got the 4K edition with the slipcover. Ooh, this thing's nice. And, and the nice thing is they put it on two discs. So, you know, a movie's so nice that they put it on twice two discs. So it's kind of like those old, like, Titanic VHSs when you got the two. That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So two discs, four hours, and it's good, man. I haven't had a chance to check it out yet. It just came in hot, hot off the press. This thing is nice. It looks nice. It smells nice. It's dressed nice. It's just, just perfect, man. And, I, you know... Nothing, no one can take this away from me. WB, Discovery, AT&T, they want to pry this from me. They got to pry it from my cold, dead hands. There's no way anyone is taking this from me. We got it. It's here to stay forever. It'll live on forever because of this physical media disc. A little foreshadowing for later <laughs> on in today's episode. But uh, yeah, man, I, now I'm probably going to sit down and do the uh, trilogy after after the French Open, you know, I'm a big tennis fan, and I've been watching a lot of tennis in, in France. Um, also, a lot of super spies, very nicely dressed, France. Yeah. And you have you have a really skewed perception of the world. <laughs> oh man, everyone in Europe just dresses nice. Like the whole country dresses nice. The whole country of Europe. <laughs> yeah. As a joke, that was a joke. Okay, I realize, but it is it is quite small. It is quite small. You could walk across. I, I'm, I'm quoting the movie Eurotrip. Okay, for those who don't know, it's one of the greatest teen comedies of all time. It's just a classic. If you haven't seen it, check it out. It's funny. Maybe if you're from <laughs> Europe, don't watch it because you might not find it funny. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, it's good. It's good stuff. So uh, besides that, I went to the comic shop for the first time. Oh, in a long time. In a long time. So I took my daughter. We drove down, walked her up there. She's like, whoa, dad, look at that Hulk. It's huge. It was, it was the one with the giant Hulk. Another Dimension Comics in Calgary. Check it out um and uh i said okay pick out whatever you want she's a big fan of sonic the hedgehog i don't know what it is kids these days love sonic the hedgehog it's back so she picked up a sonic comic and she looked at all the toys and everything and i was like okay you can pick one more thing and you gotta pick out one more thing for your sister and she went with lion king stuffies timon and pumbaa so uh yeah man i bet i bet you when they picked him up they're probably like these things are never gonna sell because they must have been sitting there for years but no, my daughter saw them, and she's like, this is what I want. And I was like, this is what you shall have then. And, oh, and she also got a blue lantern power ring. Um, not green, because blue is cheaper. So <laughs> <laughs> it was $2 cheaper, and so she got the blue one. And uh, yeah, man, so, you know, trying to cultivate that next generation of nerd. Uh, just seeing what she's into. You know, if she walked in the store and said nothing nothing interests me, I would have been like, that's cool, and let's move on. But no, she loved it, and uh can't wait till things, you know, open up, get back to normal, and I can do this more regularly as opposed mm-hmm. to once every year. So, yeah. <laughs> Carlos, man, what what have you been up to this week? You know, you've had a busy few weeks. Does this one uh, keep pace with it? No, no. This one was a little bit of a foot off the gas pedal. <laughs> and it's funny because there was a few things that popped up and kind of tempted me, and I was like, dude, like – if I step onto the show next week and talk about another big swing, somebody's <laughs> going to send the people in the white coats to come do an intervention with me. Cause this, <laughs> this is getting out of hand. So kept put the foot off the gas. And I kind of said, you know, if these things are here for a while, then maybe it'll be meant to be. And 
if they're not, and if I'm not um, trying to buy these things yesterday, then uh, maybe I don't want them that bad. So I, I eased off, but I did, uh, inspired by our boys Emmett and uh, Nico over on Let's Go Gamers, I ended up picking up Last of Us Part 2. So this is a game that was apparently so good that uh, it inspired the boys to actually launch that podcast. So, yeah, so when Troy and I did the the crossover guest shot on that show, uh, that's what they said the genesis was, was this game just blew them away with just how beautiful the story was and how compelling uh, the narrative was. And and it's one of those where, like, I got to admit, like, those Sony first-party games, uh, like, they always deliver and i always love them but they always drop dramatically in price so i was like gonna get this game but i gotta wait but man this one never dropped it dropped for a small moment in time and i went to go buy it and then the video game awards happened and it cleaned up it won like all the game of the year awards (laughs) and the price shot right back up i'm like i'm not paying full pop for like an 18 month old game at this point in time like now now this is just punishment waiting so um yeah, I grabbed that. I haven't fired it up yet, but that's just because, like like Tim said, it's been beautiful in the city, and I was like, I can't in good conscience when we finally get nice sunny days and hot weather go sequester myself in the back cave with a PlayStation controller <laughs> in my hand for hours on end. So looks like the forecast for the weekend might be turning, so that'll be the time where uh, I fire that thing up. And uh, Aren't they filming that movie or yeah. TV show in Calgary? Yeah, they are. So yeah. when are we going to be on it? A and B. How much are we gonna get paid? I got a funny story about that, but we'll talk about it uh, offline. So ooh, the, dirt, yeah. nerd room exclusive. Yeah, Carlos uh, starring exclusively in the Last of Us. Last of Us. What's it called? Last of Us. The Last of Us. The Last yeah. of Us. Yeah. Yeah. He's the Last of Us. He's the last one. Hey man, I I could I could grow the Caesar cut back just enough and grow in a bit <laughs> little mustache and do some stunt work for Pedro. Yeah. It, it could it could work. It could work. I can see man- it. I can see it. Yeah, Mando 2.0 as it were. Uh and then aside from that, a little bit of a role reversal. So um Titan Books has put out these uh, hardcover books aimed at like adult readers uh based on a few of their storylines, like their famous stories. But um, with a twist. So I didn't read it, but my one daughter bought the Harley Quinn Mad Love one strictly for the cover. But she ended up giving it to her sister. My oldest loved this thing and asked for the Court of Owls one. So I kind of read some reviews and it sounded like it was pretty good. So I ended up buying her this and she devoured this thing and just loved it and like wants to start reading the comics and stuff. And... Um, in a bit of a turnabout, she actually loaned me this Batman novel to start <laughs> reading. And it's funny because she's reading it and she's like, oh, man, I, I need to stop reading this book because, like, these owls are giving me nightmares and whatnot. And I was like, oh, okay, well, whatever. But I read the first chapter and it's like Batman going to this crime scene. And it's so gruesome and grisly. I'm like, oh, man, I can see why this thing kept me up at night. So, yeah, it's pretty good. Like, I'm, I don't know, like. 60 70 pages into the book just started reading it the other day but yeah it, it's cool and it was a, a neat little turnabout where now uh 
now the apprentice has become the master, so to speak. So uh-huh, that's awesome. Love the Star Wars reference there too, especially for her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, and yeah, huge shout out to her. She got a pre-order in for a Black Series Captain Rex today. That was uh, yeah. They just announced that he got re-released. So that was that was job one. Let me tell you. Man, so like like I said, passed on so much, and and here you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here I am. That's awesome, man. I and so those are are like novelizations of those stories. No, they're well. I I think Mad Love was like a, a massive expansion of that story because mm-hmm. the little bits and pieces of it that I took a look at it looked like it talked about like Harley Quinn's like her uh, education and stuff like that and her in the college years and some of these formative experiences that she had. But the Court of Owls one, it actually takes place after the Court of Owls story. Oh, okay. But it's new reader friendly in that it introduces you to the things that happen in the first one by him referencing them. But they definitely like him getting captured and in the labyrinth and all those famous things happened in the past in this book. So okay. um, it, it's kind of like the first uh, collision between Batman and the Court of Owls after the uh, the events of that story. So yeah, that's, that's very cool. It's kind of like a almost like a Star Wars approach where you have like the novelizations and you have the comics kind of intertwining a little bit, which which is a cool way. And I, to be honest with you, I like the the novelization of some of these stories. Um, I've never like jumped from a comic book to a novelized story, but it seems like a, a pretty cool idea on how to expand and, and get a bit more depth into some of the the arcs in that. Yeah, when I bought this thing for her, I just assumed it was going to be a novelization mm-hmm. of the story, kind of like the old like '90s Nightfall one and stuff was. Yeah. But uh, no, it's a totally, it's a sequel essentially. Awesome. I got duped into that after I saw V for Vendetta. I didn't know it was a comic book, so I went to the bookstore and it's like the novelization of the movie, and I'm like, great, I'll buy that. And I was like, this is a comic book. This is before I read comics, right? And I was like, this is a comic book. Like, damn, why'd I get the novel? I could have got the one with the cool pictures on it. So <laughs> the novelization is probably the novelization of the movie too, not of the oh, for sure, graphic was, novel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's lesson learned. Beaver Vendetta is a comic book. <laughs> First, there it is. Sunny passing on that critical information to the listeners. Now we're gonna wrap this one up for this week. I had a, I had a really slow week as well. I I was out. I took out the Nerd Room RV. So my wife and I are renovating an RV right now, um, a fairly large RV, a 35-foot RV. So we're going to take it out east this summer, and on the way, we're going to do a little bit of toy hunts on the way. We're going out to see my family. I haven't seen them in a long time because of this uh, awful pandemic. So I was actually camping this weekend and didn't have much time to, to get up to much. I, I figured I was going to get into some comic book reading and maybe watching a few shows I have to catch up on, but it turns out it's, a, it's quite tiring chasing around two kids around a campground for eight hours. <laughs> <laughs> so didn't quite get to that. But today, June 1st, as we record, today is the first day of Jurassic June. So it's a month-long celebration in the same vein of May the 4th. It's a month-long celebration of Jurassic Park, Jurassic World, all things Jurassic. So my daughter and I, we finally had an opportunity this this evening, actually, to sit down and watch a couple episodes of Season 3 of Camp Cretaceous. And Sunny, you talked about fostering that next generation she is running full steam with this camp cretaceous stuff she loves it she's been begging me to watch it every single night finally had that opportunity to sit down and it's it's fantastic it's great i cool. love what they're doing in this space and the accessibility of it because she's not old enough she's only six she's not old enough to watch 
even Jurassic World. Maybe the first part of Jurassic Kids World. Kids these days, geez, so pampered, man. Just can't you can't do it, Six right? years old and you can't watch Jurassic Park? No, she came in and woke me up in the middle of the night the other day because it was too dark in her room in the middle of the night. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't The original wanna... Jurassic Park came out what year? 93. I watched it in 93. I was six years old, so... You're, you're you gotta cut the cord me. sometime, Tim. You can't be coddling the youngsters. Yeah, but look at the aftermath. Like Tim is, <laughs> Tim views this as a cautionary tale. Yeah. <laughs> this is what happens when you allow your six-year-old to watch Jurassic yeah, Park. You turn so. into Sanjay. <laughs> Every everybody in my class watched Jurassic Park when it hey, came I out. Was, like, it was that big. Yeah, I was eight when I first. I watched it in '93, I believe, as well. So I would have been eight. But. Again, we'll see. We'll see. Where I'm looking forward to introducing it to her, but it's it's a beautiful segue into the franchise and the concepts and kind of there's some darker themes in the shows as well, like people getting eaten and you know dinosaurs attacking other dinosaurs and that. And it, it's great. I, I love what they're doing with this IP and even with the idea and concept around Jurassic June, I'm really excited about. And I threw it on our Twitter or my Twitter this uh, today actually that we're going to be doing some extra content around Jurassic June. It's it's a favorite franchise of mine, and so. I'm going to put up a video of my Jurassic Park collection. I've got an interview that I've had in the can for quite some time where I spoke to a one of the original Kenner sculptors, toy sculptors, that worked on the original 93 Jurassic Park toy line. So him and I had a, a beautiful discussion, and he sculpted some of the dinosaurs that I hold near and dear that I played with. And so him and I had a great discussion breaking down the process that he went through and some of his experiences as a sculptor on all kinds of lines in the Kenner days, Star Wars, the real Ghostbusters, Jurassic Park. So that's going to be going up this month as well. And we're even thinking about doing a little bit of a retrospective. You know, next week is in fact, you know, June 10th, June 11th is when the original Jurassic Park came out and just so happens to coincide with the release of next week's episode. So we might be looking at a nice little retrospective on the Jurassic Park series as well. And this will be, of course, pending if anything serious or crazy drops next week, but it's all about Jurassic Park for me. And I gotta say, I was venturing on to uh, to eBay last night. That Canadian dollar, boys, it's up as high as it's been in quite some time, which means that the actual price of these things has come down for us, you know, 10, 15%. And so that makes it much more intriguing to get in there and start buying stuff. I got Black Series to pay for, man. And I don't even <laughs> own the stupid things, so. <laughs> Well, eBay, man, it's opening up a little bit there. So we're really excited to talk some Jurassic and, and really consume some Jurassic in the next little bit. I haven't watched the original movie in quite some time. So these are things I want to plug into and kind of and kind of craft my, my next couple of weeks in nerd around around Jurassic Park. And, you know, this Ghostbusters, Sony announced Ghostbusters Day next next Tuesday, June 8th. So might be a rewatch in there. So that's what that's what my, my week has looked like and it's going to look like. It's more of a... What am I going to do in the next week of Nerd? So look out for that content, guys. Look out for the things coming and get on there and celebrate Jurassic. Let's let's hear what you guys love about this series. And, you know, with Spielberg, we talked about him from Sanjay's question a few weeks ago, man. This guy put together We never talked kids. about that on there, did we? Yeah. No, we never got there about what the we, point of your question did. was. <laughs> <laughs> well, the question was, if you could listen to watch only one director's movies for the rest of your life, who would it be? Uh, and there's one answer. There's one, literally one answer to that. We should have said, like, I, we talked about, I think we talked about this. Like, take Spielberg out of the mix. What mm -hmm. would your answer be? Because, like, if I'm going to watch one director's film, there's there's literally no one else on the planet that's, that I'm going to pick other than Spielberg. There's lots that are viable options besides Spielberg. 
I would. They, Uncle is... Marty, Martin Scorsese. Come on, man! <laughs> Just out of pure spite, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> oh, come on! Okay, you don't even have to buy a ticket to that theme park ride. You can watch the <laughs> cinema all day long, baby. Um, yeah, pull up also, to that buffet. also, um, John Carpenter, very solid pick. Stanley Kubrick, um, George A. Romero. Uh, there's lots. There's lots of great. But directors. for the rest, for the rest of your life, man, you get one director yeah. to watch. Yeah, Stanley. I mean, like Stanley Kubrick has like 13 amazing films that are like considered one. Of, you know, each one is considered one of the best of all time. So, it'd be hard to go against him. Martin Scorsese. I mean, you got Casino. You got The Departed. You got, uh, oh my goodness, I, I'm blanking right now. But all those so crime many. and gangster yeah. picks. <laughs> They're <laughs> all the same movie. They're not all the same. You got movie. the Irish one he put on Netflix. You got The Irishman. Um, there's lots of like European as well directors. If you wanted to go that route, you know, if you really wanted to get into the cinema, man, you're you're not selling me by just putting a generic a European director. <laughs> The, the well, only guy he, that I think even comes close would be Canadian, James Cameron. James Cameron, you could it make would an be a argument. solid pick. Terminator. Yeah, like Terminator, Terminator 2, Titanic. We don't talk enough about that movie, Avatar. The Abyss, True Lies. And you get five avatars, and they take yeah. so long that you might die before the last <laughs> one comes out. Well, yeah, so least... it might be a solid pick because at least you'll have something to look forward to you for got, the rest of your days. Yeah, you got all kinds of movies coming out. <laughs> It's yeah, man. Well, let us know, man. Like, <laughs> people that are listening to this that are like, "Hey, you know, I like I like cinema, and you know, I would say like um, I like Italian cinema. So I say Federico Fellini. He would be one that would be a viable pick. I'm just saying, man. Yeah. Just saying. Yes, man. <laughs> I mean, there's more than I mean. Spielberg is an amazing choice, and I'm not gonna argue against Spielberg. But I'm going to, you know, prop up these other directors as well because, the, you know, they deserve some love too. And Spielberg, hey, the man was great. The man is great. The man is great. Ready Player One? Come on. That is, like, so good. And that's one of his newer ones. It's not even touching on his uh, older <laughs> oh, stuff. So. Oh, my God. We're talking about Steven Spielberg and you drops Ready Player One as, like, the example. Hey, man, I, I got – if I could, if I could show this camera, work. if I could show the listeners, I have a section in my movie room dedicated to Steven Spielberg. But, so but you're, you're, you put the qualifier on the question is for the rest of your life. You get you yeah. have one library of films. Yeah. Should have been for a year. <laughs> yeah, for a year or no Steven Spielberg. I, I, well, I understand. Well, I mean, it, but... there's, there's another person you could choose. He's got don't, really long movies, so you can watch a long time. Okay, and he slows it down in slow motion for you. You can pick. You know who I'm going to say. You can pick Zack Snyder. You can pick Zack Snyder. Man, you can pick him all day. <laughs> I will, yeah. baby. Have you I watched will. Army of the Dead yet? No. A French oh. Open's on, man. <laughs> I'm watching tennis. Well, you can't take two and a half hours out of your life to watch a zombie movie? I don't. Like, what kind of bizarro world are we in where Tim and I suffer through that thing <laughs> opening weekend and you're like, here's half an hour talking about the shipping of my stupid Zack Snyder's Justice League 4K? <laughs> Because I can't wait two months while it's available for free on the subscription service I already paid for. Well, then it's not for free if you're paying for it. <laughs> Where I can watch it with at no additional cost under my existing it's subscription. baked in. Literally baked into your monthly bills. Yeah. <laughs> but yet I can't be bothered to watch his new... You need to embrace it, Sonny, because that's where that guy is going to be for the foreseeable future. 
He's happy. I'm just gonna say something. He's happy there, and I'm glad for him, man. He seems to Same. really find a home in yeah. Netflix. And Same, you know what? Man. Okay, wait. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Can you? I know we're we're already on a tangent, and I was worried about not having enough content for the show, but clearly we're gonna have more than enough <laughs> Always content. Always enough content. When so, I'm here. yeah. So qualify that. What makes you think that he's happy on Netflix after one film? Well, did he get his movie taken away from him in Netflix? Did he no, get to release? But the movie he also that he, he also released like six movies with WB before the Justice League incident. Yes, okay, but in BVS, he only released the two-and-a-half-hour version instead of the three-hour version in theaters, did he not? Netflix gave him all the time he wanted. Netflix said, all right, here's your movie. You go make it. You go make it. And you know what? It's killing it on Netflix. Look at at the views, man. He's crushing it. So He's he's crushing it. it. He's crushing it, man. His biggest flag bearer has yet to see the film. I'm waiting for it to come out on disc. Netflix does that, right? Netflix Sonny. releases movies on disc, don't they? Sonny, the idea is if you want them to continue to make things on Netflix, you have to watch it on Netflix. It's been viewed 72 million times. It's not like they're like, well, this one guy on the podcast, The Nerd Room, hasn't watched it yet. So you know what? Army of the Dead 2, we're kiboshing it. You're gone. This ain't WB. They're giving him a sequel no matter what. Man, so. the shade you're tossing at DC and WB or WB Hey, man, I'm not, tossing, I'm not tossing it at future WB. I'm tossing it at... Past mean w- Warner Brothers Discovery is what you're. Warner Brothers Discovery. Sh- Hopefully they discover filmmaking again. I'll tell That's you that. Where much. dreams are made of, or something. <laughs> where dreams were effect. made. It was the studio of dreams <laughs> until yeah, they got crushed. <laughs> <laughs> well, clearly we're gonna pick up some of this discussion here in just a few minutes. <laughs> Whatever do you mean? I wonder whose side of the fence each one's gonna fall on. Let's leave the audience in suspense. This they know. The they know up. where. They were it, is where it is a question. It is a question. Because if you haven't watched Army of the Dead, the listeners don't know. If, like, last month you were like, place a bet on which Nerd Room host watched Army of the Dead off the hop, guaranteed, like, 98.5% of people would have voted for you. And then there's that one, that (laughs) 0.5% that's just like, I know it's Sanjay, but I love Troy so much. I gotta, <laughs> yeah. I gotta give him my vote. Yeah. And I'm not even in contention, like nowhere. Like no, nowhere. Well, I, I one, bet on you one, guys. It, one is Zack Snyder. Two, it's a zombie movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised you guys watched. To be honest with you. Well, like we'll get into it. We go, and we talked about it last week about the idea and the concept of like new media coming out and how great that is because we've been starved for that for like the better part of a year. So that, that definitely weighed into it. But anyways, let's go on to some of this news here because I think there's a lot of excitement to get more and dig a little <laughs> deeper into this physical media talk and even some concepts around the idea of the theaters coming back. I think we're going to touch on it as well. But let's talk about some of the, the, this, this stuff here. We're going to go over to the Sony Marvel Universe. And they found their Craven the Hunter. This is one of the few villains in the Spider-Man universe that is yet to have a big screen adaptation or big screen run but it looks like Sony has cast their Craven for a future film. I think is going to be centered around this character, and Aaron Taylor Johnson. You'll know him from Kick-Ass. You'll know him as Quicksilver, or one of the Quicksilvers, maybe if you want to broach that topic, Wasn't in the Marvel Cinematic up. Universe. And now he is playing his third comic book character in Craven the Hunter. Now, if I'm being completely honest with you, I'm not a huge fan 
of this casting. And I'm not taking anything away from Aaron Taylor Johnson. Great actor. I think he could potentially fill the role. He's a big guy. He's got the acting chops. He's got the capacity to do a bit of an accent. But it's just just not what I saw, not what I see. So, so Carlos, talk to me a bit about Aaron Taylor Johnson and the casting in this role, and even expand a bit on your thoughts on, on Craven the Hunter getting potentially his own film and what Sony seemed to be doing, like the reverse Avengers and building their Sinister Six before dropping a Spider-Man into that universe, or a proper Spider-Man into that universe. We've got, you know, Venom, we've got Morbius. I'm not saying Venom's going to be Sinister Six. He's kind of anti-villain, but or anti-hero. Uh, we've got Morbius coming, Craven the Hunter, you know, there's, there's rumors about other things, Black Cat and all this. And so they're constructing something. I don't know what it is yet, but Craven the Hunter <laughs> seems to be a piece of it. Yeah, you know, like Sony obviously watched Age of Ultron and they're like, man, look at Aaron Taylor Johnson as Pietro. This guy has fully nailed playing a Euro bro. <laughs> so we can see him just hunting those ladies in the clubs. <laughs> That's our Craven the Hunter right there. I apologize. That was strictly for Nick Caruso Jr. Yeah. I love you. <laughs> love you, Daddy Bats. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know what? It's fine. Like, he, he did an accent that's going to be akin to what he's going to be doing for Sergey Kravenoff. Um, it's a little, it's a little pedestrian and a little on the nose. Like, I got to admit, like, I kind of got excited at some of the ideas that I heard percolating out there that Craven the Hunter might be Wakandan and they'd go that route and well, that'd be cool. kind of reimagine him a little bit as opposed to kind of the the Great White Hunter type of thing. But uh, it, it's, it's fine. I, I think he's got the look and he's a hell of an actor for sure. But uh, yeah, it, it's a bit odd and I think it's a bit, weird that they want to do a Craven the Hunter movie like I've read enough Craven stuff that it's just I don't see the appeal of sitting down for 90 minutes with with that character especially if you're talking about a scenario where there's no Mm Spider-Man but um, yeah we'll see what they do Uh, it's hard to talk about anything surrounding the Sony universe of Spider-Man characters without uh, seeing where they're taking things with no way home. So mm-hmm. that'll tell the tale of the tape. And and if it is a scenario in which you're going to have a Craven versus Spider-Man movie, and maybe you focus on Craven and his journey more and ask Spider-Man, be it Tom Holland or Andrew Garfield is the target of his hunt. That's kind of cool. Um, but yeah, we'll see what happens. Like maybe you could play around with your lore a little bit and have Aaron Taylor Johnson's Craven hunting Venom or Morbius, mm-hmm. but, uh, Venom yeah, could we'll... work. Both of those could work actually hunting yeah. vampires, but then you kind of lean into blade a little bit and you know what else Sony owns Jumanji combine these two Craven the hunter meets Jumanji <laughs> boom billion dollars. So he goes in there. And you know who they should have got? You remember the first one? The, like, hunter dude that was, like, oh, tracking God. down He's Robin He's ancient Williams? now. <laughs> Yo, man, that would have been such a good casting. He's just, like, they play the board game, and he comes out, and then they never finish. They lose the dice forever, like, in the bottom of a lake. And he's just, I'm I'm craving now. Boom. Billion-dollar film. Sony? Come on. Give, give this guy a call. <laughs> so in the absence of maybe the Jumanji crossover, 
Missed and opportunity. This, this this being more of a a construction of a Sony Marvel universe. Th does this work for you? This the familiarity, I guess. Maybe there's a main question of Aaron Taylor Johnson in the role of Pietro. Does that provide a point of contention or confusion for you, or is that something you're able to relinquish? And I think, given the idea too that that No Way Home could maybe provide some sort of link to the the MCU and the Sony verse. We've been theorizing about this for, for what feels like forever now, that there's going to be some inherent link between the two. Does yeah. casting this guy in that role, does that provide a point of contention for you? No. <laughs> You're like, Once... okay, this is what he looks like in Age of Ultron. He's in it for one movie. And this is, you know, it's like, uh, what's his name? Chris Evans is like, he was in Fantastic Four and he's also Captain America. But, know, in, but not, like the Fantastic Four isn't, like I think the Sony verse has more of an opportunity to be even that slight arms reach from the MCU with the Spider-Man thing. Like the Fantastic Four are now holistically owned inside of of Marvel Studios and Disney, where the Spider-Man IP is being basically lent out to the MCU, and and so there's there's some link there. And what we've been talking about about No Way Home about them trying to drive towards. Not some amalgamation of the universe, but at a minimum, some wink or multiverse answer to how Spider-Man transitions. One well, didn't one of Sony's execs come out this week and say that there is a plan, and you'll be able to kind of see the first seeds of that with No Way Home. So it, it's what makes sense. What, <laughs> yeah. So there is some form of an established link or. Or maybe simply this is just the divorce that's going to play out in December. But mm -hmm. yeah, we don't know. I, I think it's weird, though, to cast mm -hmm. that guy. Actually, like now that I say it out loud about them talking about there being a definite plan and that they know where they're going with it, it's like, yeah, Quicksilver was in one movie and that's fine. But at the same time, he, he had a pretty seminal role in the MCU. Like mm -hmm. the repercussions of his death are literally one of the main pillars of phase four because you had the wildly popular WandaVision show that in large part dealt with her trying to reconcile with the loss of that character. And so there's no way that it doesn't play into the multiverse of madness and then whatever journey we go on with Wanda going forward. So but like yeah, if he was the best actor, you know, they probably auditioned tons of people for this role. It would be a shame to be like, yeah, but you know, you were in the MCU you know, so but we're not going to take you, but you were head and shoulders the best actor that tried out. You know, it's like, eh, if he he got cast for a reason, he's obviously did pretty good in tryouts or whatever it's called. Um, auditions. Auditions, yeah. Well, Thinking, you I know, for the movie part. guy of this show, you're <laughs> it's sunny. Well, this, this episode, man. Yeah. <laughs> and I and I don't disagree with you about the best person for the job, mm -hmm. but. I don't know. Like, there has to be some general awareness, and that's not to say that Aaron Taylor Johnson can never play a character inside of a Marvel movie again. And he's clearly going to get a shot at it here. But like, you look at what casting, what's his name, Chris, not Chris Evans, Evan Peters did in Wandavision, right? Like the stir that that created. And this is a, a completely different situation because that character was functionally taken from a role inside the X Men universe and plunked into or made to make you think that he was plunked into a very similar role in that. But I, I just find if you're building a connected universe that, you know, maybe shying away from that. It's not the first time it's been done 
with the MCU. There's been people cast in multiple roles, but this will be the first time it's done with two major characters. Yeah, like you, like Gemma Chan, right, was in Captain Marvel, and she's going to yeah. be in the Eternals. But like her, her Captain Marvel role, she was under a ton of makeup, and she didn't say much, right? So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't really see. And then I think Offrey Woodard was in two roles. Yeah, because she was in Luke Cage. Yeah. And then she was. She showed up in. At uh, the beginning of Age of. Oh, yeah. Civil War. Yeah. yeah. How do you pronounce the guy from Shazam, the wizard? His name? Damon Hanzu? Yes. That, yeah. 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 He's in Shazam and Aquaman. And yeah, he's but he's. Too? But in Aquaman, he's literally <laughs> a fish and just does the voice. <laughs> well, still. Two roles. Oh, uh, Patrick Wilson is in Batman v Superman, and he's also in Aquaman. Literally a voice on the phone. <laughs> you hear Sunny. him over speakerphone. Sunny. You still hear him. So does that mean that King Orm was the president of the U.S.? And then because he learned everything, he's like, screw this, and he went to become king of Atlantis? No. No one thinks that, right? So no one no, would think it's different situation. Like literally man. no one thinks that. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, what if the wizard and the fisherman king, the wizard turned himself into the fisherman king so he could understand the underworld water, and that's how at the end of Shazam they know about Aquaman. Man, to be a fly on the wall inside of your brain sometimes, dude. <laughs> and this is why you don't let your six-year-old watch Jurassic Park, listeners. <laughs> Bring it back to Jurassic June. I Technically, like it. I was five at the time when it yeah. came out. But I didn't see it in theater, so it probably came out on VHS yeah. when I saw it. That's six, eight months later. A physical copy. I got a VHS copy right behind me. But, uh, yeah, so I think it's going to be interesting to see how this built out. And I think the best thing, like, if he can bury himself in the role that I don't see – Aaron Taylor Johnson in it, like if because Boss Logic put an image of him with a big beard, long hair. I think that 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 they that could do it. And I could go in and be like, I can't even see the character. It's fine, but he's got to put on like a Joker, Heath Ledger Joker style of performance. I still to this well, day, no one's gonna do that. Well, look, don't put that on the guy. But no, I'm it's talking. Like about, you got to win an Oscar, or else you're shit. <laughs> like don't put that it, on him. But it's about burying yourself in a role so much so that like you don't see the actor, like. To this day, I can still watch The Dark Knight, and I cannot see Heath Ledger. I cannot no. see the character. I can't Impossible. see the actor. Yeah. And, and very few people can do that. I'm not trying to say that for him to be successful, he needs to do that. But if you're going to dislocate yourself from Pietro, from the MCU, from something that they're trying to link up as a connected story, you got you got to think a bit more beyond that, and you got to bury that that character in the role some more, so that it's not this like. And you know th- this, it's it maybe it's a dumb conversation because like I have this connected brain, and if Sony wants to 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 bring itself closer to the MCU, my expectation is is maybe a bit much for them, maybe disconnecting an actor that played a, a reasonable role inside of the MCU. But hey, who am I to say? Maybe he's gonna be awesome in the role. <laughs> <laughs> I'm but sure he will be. I'm sure he will be. We will see. And look. This movie may never happen. I and maybe my disappointment is more that I wanted and I like the idea of Wakanda and you know does the MCU try to beat them to the to the punch? Maybe, maybe not. Probably not. But uh, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe I we'll think get... if they did that, Sony would be like, "What the hell, guys?" And then they wouldn't play nice anymore, right? Like if you're Sony and they're like, "Oh, this is uh, Maven the Hunter, totally unrelated to Craven." <laughs> They'd be like, what the hell? We were buds and you stabbed me in the back. You know, so I don't think they would play nice if that was the case. Yeah. Well, Sony has all those Spider-Man characters, right? Mm-hmm. So 
They'd have yeah. to give. But the, yeah, the if thing. they did like a knockoff version of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't just, think yeah. it would go over well. Someone would be like, come on, man. Well, Why really, is- they could do like a comic booky version of the Punisher, like mm-hmm. early days Punisher. And... Yeah. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? But, you know, there's there's other things happening in the nerd space. And let's talk about a sequel that, or a follow up that I would say none of us thought was going to happen. And that's Titanic 2. Titanic 2, it's happening. Back on the ice. <laughs> <laughs> Here we are. We're back. We built the boat. No, it's, it's, it's Joker 2. So Joker's a movie that we reviewed, what was it, two years ago? And mm-hmm. it was it was a really great discussion we had because this film, you know, Oscar winner, billion-dollar film in the absence of IMAX and China, which is an incredible feat in itself. But it's a movie that, that was even debated, do we need a Joker movie? Is there, is there space for a Joker movie in the absence of, of Batman in the film? And now we're here, we're talking about the follow-up to one of the most successful comic book movies of all time, but a movie that we thought was only ever going to get one film. A movie that, you know, we were led to believe that Joaquin Phoenix was happy to sign on for because there was one film. There's going to be follow-up sequels franchise made out of this. And director Todd Phillips, you know, great success on this guy that directed The Hangover, but also directed The Joker. It's apparently coming back to co-write and direct this follow-up. Now, the word follow-up is used as opposed to sequel in some of the articles I, that I was reading. And that's an interesting concept. Is it a true sequel where you have the same characters, same actors, and the same general story being continued from Joker? Or is it a follow-up where you tell a Joker story, maybe a different Joker story, but maybe not necessarily an Arthur, Arthur Fleck Joker story? So, goddamn Batman, you've spent a good chunk of your life reading Joker stories. You're very familiar with the character and as, as adversary... I can call him that in this frame in Batman, but bring bring some context to to the idea of a follow up to this film. It's an easy green light from a financial and a business sense, but from a a plot narrative and a necessity to have a sequel to this, like does it make sense to you? No, like I'm a, I'm definitely of two minds on it. Like I see Joker as a unique singular movie and you told you had a story to tell you took your shot you told it to great success and i think the movie is wonderful i'm glad it did all the things that it did so i was a little surprised to see that they are actually working on a sequel and that todd phillips is coming back to work on it um so yeah i i I don't know but at the same time if there is a story that he has that he wants to tell, uh, I agree with you. I doubt that it'll be uh, that you'll be getting Joaquin Phoenix back. That it'll be uh, an Arthur Fleck story, but maybe you do a riff on something like One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, and there's maybe one guy who could be a Joker in there. Maybe there's f- three or four people that could be a Joker in there. Uh, that could be something. Yeah, I don't know. I also don't know if this thing will ever get off the ground and be anything more mm-hmm. than a, a week's worth of articles type of thing. So I'll be curious to see where they take it. If there's a story to be told and if you need to kind of use the IP to get people to come and uh, engage with the journey you want to take them on, then I'm all for it. As long as it's not something where they're just 
looking at the success of the first movie and trying to cash in on that. So, yeah, we'll see where it goes. I, I, I'm going to hedge my bets and say that it never gets made, but we'll see what happens. Interesting. Sanjay, does this film get made? Does it need to be made? Where do you, where do you sit on this one? How much did the first one make? Billion dollars, man. How much did it cost to make? 50 to 70 million, I would say. Well, of course they're going to make a sequel. Look at that return. Imagine if you're a shareholder at Warner Brothers and you look at that and they're like, no, we're done. You're like, like I said, the easy, hell you easy are. Easy green light, man. Easy green light from a business stance. From a, even if, okay, even if WB's, just look at it this way. Even if WB's like, let's double the budget. Okay, it's 80 million. And it makes half of what the first one made. Half makes 500 million. That's the biggest success of the year right there. You know, that's seven times his box office budget. So a 200 million movie would have to make 1.4 billion to equal that. And that's, and that's worst, 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 worst case scenario, which it's not going to be. The Joker is, you know, just as big as Batman. I hate to say it, but it's true. You know, you look at movies where he's in, they always bring home the box office receipts, much like Batman. He, I, I would say he's probably, you know, the number two character at DC. Bankability. Bankability? Yeah, man. Joker's up there, man. I think that, you know, I think it's just a no-brainer to throw him in there. And, well, I, I think they're not going to do this unless they have a well-thought-out story. You know, the first one, I was reading or I listened to an article or a YouTuber, and they talked about how uh, Todd Phillips and Joaquin Phoenix, before they even shot one cell of film, and I think it was shot in film, before they even shot one reel, they had talked six months about this story, changing it, fixing it up, making it perfect. They're not just going to go in and say, okay, let's just, here you go. They're going to talk about this. They're going to massage it. They're going to throw out ideas. This is going to be as finely crafted as the first one. And there is, you know, there is a lot of sequels that you can look to that are just as good, if not better than the first one. You know, look at Dark Knight. Look at The Godfather Part 2. Um, look at Terminator 2, you know, so there are sequels out there and, you know, if they want to, what, what ideas would they do? You know, I've heard some people say like, they should do like, uh, like a gangster flick, you know, they, they kind of riffed on Taxi Driver and King of Comedy with the first one, Uncle Marty's classics. And, uh, maybe they could do something closer to Casino or Goodfellas or The Departed where it's Joker. Okay. He escapes. And now how does he become the big kahuna? to steal another phrase from another Joker, the big kahuna of Gotham City. It, you know, and uh, I would like to see that film. Batman, he could make an appearance. It's not necessary. He could. You know, just throw him in there, sprinkle him in there, a little, you know, maybe he's a teenager now. He's angsty. I don't know. But, uh, yeah. And, and Joaquin Phoenix, you have to bring him back, man. You have to bring him back. He was so excellent in the first one. I couldn't see anyone, no matter who they got, you know, playing him again. So, um for this role, for this, for Todd Phillips Joker. It, it, it's interesting kind of what you say there in that, in that perspective, because I think like the concept of the business decision and having this as a perfect story, I think that conflicts with each other. I think that mm -hmm. if you've got Warner Brothers and Discovery be like, we need another billion dollar movie, you're not going to get three, four years to make this, right? And let it fade from the consciousness of your audience. You're going to want this out in two years. I'll oh, throw one at you. What if it's a Jared Leto Joker solo movie? 
That'd be dope. That would be dope, man. <laughs> well, it, it's the idea of another Joker to me is more intriguing. Leave. I think that that story started and finished exactly where you remember the discussion we had after we reviewed it about we all thought the end was something different. Like, was it mm-hmm. all in his mind? Was he escaping? What was he doing? Like, I don't see Arthur Fleck, that Joker, as being the Joker that goes toe to toe with Batman for decades. I like the idea of, of transporting that into a film where there's inspiration taken from the end of that movie and someone else goes off and is the Joker. Like yeah. even the three Joker concept that we discussed at the end of last year, that idea about it being like, there's not a Joker that it's about mm-hmm. something completely different. And you leave Joaquin Phoenix out of it. You can refer to him, but you saw at the end, right? People putting on the mask and the, the, the idea about what the Joker represents being extrapolated into someone else and them taking that and going a different and telling a completely different story from a completely different person hitting on those same elements about the, the ideas and providing the commentary around mental health and all that. But what is it, what does it do in someone else? How does that manifest in someone else? That's, that's what intrigues me about a potential sequel here. In yeah. This. Well, and that would be kind of a riff on what Gotham did with the Joker where they had, uh, character that was arguably your joker and then they had the same actor actually play his twin brother but in a completely different manner and then he became kind of jokerized and was a different style of joker and then i think the show actually finished with like a third version of joker that cameron monaghan played as well so there there is precedent for that type of thing and yeah i if i was to pick anything i'd be with where you're at tim where you have a new Joker narrative that you're going to start from mm-hmm. the bottom. And, and who knows, maybe after you do a third movie, you do something where all of them kind of converge and you tell some kind of grand tale. It would be like, like the, and the inspiration, the catalyst for it all is the Joker movie, like Arthur Fleck. What if they mm-hmm. take all the Jokers, they go to Las Vegas, they get really drunk, and they don't <laughs> wake up, they don't know what happened, and Joaquin Phoenix is missing, and then they got to piece together the events of that previous night. Nailed it, man. You you have got it on lock for, for these studios, Sonny, this week. <laughs> I say, man, I've gone Hollywood. That's it. That's it. Look, I, I, I'm I'm for a good story, and you know, I'm the, we'll be the first one to acknowledge the, the idea of a good business decision and this this feels like one but then also there's the art the craft behind it so I, i'm gonna be interested to see if this does develop like you're saying carlos and where it goes i have, I have a strong feeling that this isn't going to be a, a, a direct sequel it's going to be a follow-up in some capacity so we'll see we'll see but but one thing that, that we're going to jump into here in just a minute you know the, the concept of of the theater right it's coming back guys sunny You've been talking about this for for months about when we're going to get back into the theaters. And before we start talking, before you take the reins here and get into the idea of, of where physical media is going, let's talk about one of the big pieces of of this puzzle, and, and that's the theaters. In the states, they're back. In Canada, they're coming back. We're getting closer, guys. We're moving in that in the right direction. Next week, I think. Yeah, is yeah in yeah in Alberta here. We'll, we're going to be seeing theaters opening, and I'm going to be keeping my distance for a little bit, but. Let's talk about what's what's going into theaters, right? And and I'm actually gonna I'm gonna pass this off to Carlos because you had some really interesting thoughts in the in the pre-record here 
about the concept of the theater going experience and more relating to the idea of of what films are be putting in there for our consumption and the idea of of the iconic film becoming a thing of the past the game changer film and the idea of a disposable society that we live in where things come and go very quickly whether that's a laptop or maybe whether that's a film things are meant to to be consumed and, and chucked aside so bring to light some of the or to the table here some of the, some of the ideas that you had there around the theater experience and we'll use this as a launch pad to get into the main topic this week about talking about the idea of physical media yeah well just as we were kind of like cobbling together the show for the week i kind of had the thought of like what kind of things are coming out what have we seen and then what's the discussion been around and it's funny because we we actually talked about it today but because it's a unique circumstance with sanjay being like the snyder super fan but you look at army of the dead and that was like this big kind of glitzy very well and very robustly promoted film and it kind of came out and the discussion around it was maybe four days and then completely disappeared. And like Cruella was all the rage on Friday and Saturday and you don't hear anything about it anymore. And Fast and Furious 9 came out in China and it seemed to do really well. And there seems to be like no discussion, no anticipation about it coming um, to Western markets kind of the most coverage it's got is because of some of the political stuff that's happened mm. around it with like, it, it's interesting to me. Whereas like years gone by, like there'd be white hot anticipation for one of these movies and it would be in the zeitgeist and we'd be talking about it for a few weeks on end. And maybe the box office factors into it. Like maybe something like army of the dead goes into the box office and, we're talking about it being number one last week. And then the conversation continues the week after with, you know, what'll be number one between that Cruella or even like a quiet place too. Like that's a sequel to a very beloved movie that by all accounts is excellent as good, if not better than the second one. And like, I literally didn't hear anything about it after the opening weekend kind of thing. Right. So I, I don't know. Like, I, I wonder if like, with the streaming consumption of things that we get so many things so fast that it's kind of like this thank you next type of attitude. And I just wonder where things are going to go with those conversations with movies, right? Like Jurassic Park came out in 1993 and that's all anybody talked about for like the next six months type of thing, mm -hmm. because it was this big community experience where, everybody for the first time ever got to see dinosaurs come to life again. Right. And I, I remember being a kid and I hadn't been able to get to the theater and I talked to like my older cousin's boyfriend who had seen it. And I was like, so is, is like the special effects as good as Terminator two? Is it, is it like cool like that? And he's like, he goes, basically when you watch Terminator two, you can tell that they made that on a computer. It looks cool, but you know that they made it on the computer. When you watch Jurassic Park, there's a dinosaur there. And I was like, what? I, 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 I don't believe you. And then lo and behold, <laughs> like I go see the movie and it's like, it, he did it. Crazy son of a bitch. He actually did it. <laughs> or 30 years later. And I still think you, you can't tell like yeah, the, the nope. lines on that. 
yeah, it, it's wonderful. It's beautiful. But like, are we going to still have those conversations? Right. Like well, we had infinity work come out. That was the biggest movie of all time. Force awakens biggest box office of all time. And, and I right, think like we kind of don't really talk about those in uh, maybe infinity war, but like force awakens, no one will ever like, well, do you actually on. mean Infinity War or do you mean Endgame? Which is kind of makes your point for you. Yeah. Right? <laughs> well, and do and we I, talk about the whole movie or is it just like the th- hammer scene? And I, and I think, but I think those those films, like Star Wars is Star Wars, right? Like the mm-hmm. that in itself is one of those groundbreaking pieces of cinema that we're going to talk about forever. The movies inside of the MCU, I think individually, yeah, you can say Civil War is great, Endgame or Infinity War, whatever one's your favorite, but the concept is the MCU that's going to be talked about forever, not the individual yeah. films. And the idea, like you said, Carlos, about the thank you next, it's like we watch Captain Marvel and boom, we're on the next thing. We watch Em and the Wasp, boom, we're on the next thing, right? And it's because we've had this this big gap that that we got a bit more into talking about the MCU and the individual movies. But even like the streaming service, it, it's about get to Friday, watch it, give me the next one the next Friday, right? It's like give me the next Disney Plus series. And it's it's banging through this stuff and the way that the MCU has been laid out, it is about like watch this, consume it, move on to the next. Mm-hmm. And well, yeah, like to your point, like WandaVision was the biggest thing and people loved it. And then it's like Captain America and the winter soldier. And now it's like, we're forgetting about Captain America and the winter soldier and let's move on to Loki kind of thing. Right? Like everybody get ready. So it, it just, it's kind of an interesting thing that started to come to light as I was thinking about the future movies and where things are going and, and you habits. like you likened it to a sporting event mm-hmm. right the Super Bowl huge anticipation boom it happens is done right and you're looking forward to next season your teams and all this type of thing right yeah and that might be where like the streaming service it's providing us all this content and but it's constant. Right, it's not where you get the four, five, six blockbusters throughout the summer. Is like every weekend now is a blockbuster weekend. Yeah, well, isn't that Netflix's thing? New movie yeah. every Friday. At least one piece of new original content every single week. Well, like it kind of happened back in the day. Like, remember when you had this is going old school, a uh, cassette tape. You pl- you put it in, you'd listen to that thing, you're done. You move to CDs, okay, you flip to the song you listen to it you go back when you got the ipod there is no need to listen to the whole cd or listen to the whole cassette you would listen to the one song you would move on listen to the next and that's kind of like what it is with streaming you know you there's no need for anything else you just pick your hits move on you know there's no like attention span anymore or like with playlists and stuff right Mm -hmm. where it's like here here we'll curate this for you and it's like, well, I like this song. What about all the other songs on this guy's album? Years yeah. gone by, you would have bought the album and listened to all 12 of the things he produced. Whereas mm-hmm. now you just, like, there's there's things that come out and you don't even know if there's an album attached or is it just a single or what's mm-hmm. the deal? That's yeah. an interesting analogy you brought up. Uh, yeah, it's, it's this, like, the consumption is changing the way that, there's little time now. Like I even find myself with all the streaming services and this is, I'm talking to maybe the idea that I, I can't even keep up with. Stuff. Like I'm behind in the bad batch. I'm behind on, you know, these are shows that, that I really can't critique. Like these are things I want to watch. I just don't have time because there's so much to watch. 
Well, and it's funny because that that's like us. But then there's people that don't even watch anything new. And it's like, I can't even be bothered to try and figure out what's new and great. I'm just going to watch The Office and Friends and Seinfeld or... And I'm guilty of that too. <laughs> yeah, and whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. it's just... It, I don't know. It's kind of sad, right? That like to think you won't have a moment like a Batman 89 ever again, where it's like that is the thing that consumes the entire world mm-hmm. for an extended period of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, when was the last one that you can think of that was like that? Force was Awakens and Endgame. Yeah, like, I guess those were before. But they, like, they didn't last. I mean, they lasted quite a while, but like... But End- Endgame is special but, but no too one, like, because it took... But no one brings up like The Force Awakens when you're like, what's the greatest like movie of all time? Or like, you know, no one says like, oh, The Force Awakens. Maybe you do. And if that's your favorite movie, hey man, more power to you. But people bring up like Jurassic Park. They bring up Dark Knight. They bring up... I do, yeah. I think like Force Awakens kind of stuck around for a bit because it was like a rebirth of of Star Wars, right? Like, I feel like like the conversation on that film is turning. I feel like a lot of people are like, when it came out, everyone's like, "This thing is amazing," and now I feel like people are like, "Yeah," but with the other two, you know, like a little bit more negative towards it. I think Uh, like I haven't seen it since theaters. Yeah, I I think like in the context of of the Star Wars that the sequel franchise and. Uh, the the prequels were the exact same way, right? Yeah. They fell to a point where people were like, ah, this isn't my Star Wars. And now they're they're widely celebrated inside of the community. And some people prop up The Phantom Menace or Revenge of the Sith. You know, Troy props up Revenge of the Sith as his favorite film. He grew up with those films. And so Star Wars in itself is more generational. Mm-hmm. But it also relies on the fact that the foundation was created by George Lucas Right in seventy seven, but like, but like when Star Wars was started, seventy eight was the first one or seventy seven, seventy seven. That's all they had, right? Like when you when you put out Star Wars, there was nothing else that was coming out, mm-hmm. right? Until well, yeah, it was in the theater for like a year, <laughs> right? But now you have the Force Awakens, as you mentioned, or you know, Endgame, and then it's like the next weekend, it's like Force Awakens comes out. Oh, look now, look what other big movies come out? What other mm-hmm. big movies, you know? And it's not just Star Wars; it's like Star Trek, DC, Marvel, uh, you know, whatever, Steven Spielberg, and everything. Whereas like before, it's just like Star Wars was like the thing because there was nothing. Mm-hmm. Nothing gonna take it down, right? Well, the, yeah. Then that's the thing, and I think that's where we're, we'll run into the idea of physical media and everything, and more of like a transformative discussion around things and how we're very much in front of us seeing a, a big transformation of things that were established for decades, like the theater and like physical media, and how we're moving away from that very quickly, and it's almost happening, like as we're blinking our eyes, right? Like that that concept of the theater experience is always going to be there, but it's there for a weekend, mm-hmm. right? And it's you experience it, and then you're gone. And it's like physical media, right? This thing, this stuff is fading, and this is where I'm going to throw it to you, Sanjay, because I know you really want to touch on this more from our conversation last week, and we were talking about the concept of of the Batwoman movie or Batgirl movie Batgirl. being put Batwoman is a TV show. directly to streaming service, and you know you were likening that to straight to dvd concept and we had you know maybe opposing views on that because streaming has become such a major thing in and during this pandemic and likely post pandemic because a lot of money in these studios that are putting out these films and the capacity they have is being funneled directly into that so that you're always watching something new on these surfaces so i turn it to you my man uh let's talk about more about the the concept and idea of the future of physical media 
yeah, man, like this, the seeds of this kind of sprouted from the end of our discussion last week. And then I think we kind of stuck around and just shot the shit on it for a good 15, 20 minutes talking about uh, physical media and um, theater versus streaming. But uh, before we begin into what's the future, let's dive a little bit into what's the past. Um, 10 years ago, how were you collecting physical media and what are you doing today? So I'll start us off. So, you know, 10 years ago, I was buying movies on DVD and Blu-ray. I bought a ton, 10, 10, fast forward 10 years. I'm buying even more and more than I did 10 years ago. You know, I'm buying every new release pretty much on 4k. Um, I'm buying 4k. I'm buying Blu-ray kind of shying away from DVD. Sometimes DVD is the only format that a film comes in and I'll pick it up on that case. But if it comes on any other format, I will stay away from DVD like it's COVID because I don't want, <laughs> I don't want it. <laughs> um, so for me, I, I'm consuming way more physical media than I did 10 years ago. But uh, Carlos, how have you, what, you know, take us back to 10 years ago. What are you buying? And uh, how is that different than today? Shoot. This is going to be the most massive disparity ever. This is, <laughs> this is basically like that epilogue scene from that 4K you got today. Um, <laughs> yeah, man, like 10 years ago, I like I would certainly hunt down and buy the special editions of the movies that I love the most that were coming out at the time. Um, or, and not even just like the, the Batman movies and those first MCU movies on Steelbook and whatnot. Um, anything that, you know, made a mark with me and that I, that I really loved, I'd try and find like the best version of that with the most special features or the coolest case, uh, things of that nature. And then as the video stores were closing down, I'd try and hoover up as many of the the discs on the cheap for stuff that I loved and round out the collection that way. Shoot. I'm going to get blocked by one of the two hosts on this uh, podcast right now. When I finish <laughs> this part of the story as to what I'm doing today, man, earlier this year with the great back cave revamp, one of the things that happened was that I chucked all my physical media cases Everything went into like a CD organizer, basically just the discs. And uh, yeah, my recycling bin was full of, I, I pulled them all apart to be eco-conscious. All the, the plastics were separated from the papers and um, I, I went about it that way. But my mom yeah. said there'd be days like this when I got older. Yeah. Like a, a <laughs> wall. You could have sold those. You could have made money off that. 10 cents a movie no, or whatever some, they give you some slip covers go for 20 30 50 bucks online on ebay yeah i don't care i like just wanted to be <laughs> rid of them like i i did keep the ones that i thought were cool like i had a criterion terminator 2 that came with like a, a cool metal slip cool case and um like so, the yeah like a handful of them but like i went from a bookcase full of cds to Honestly, it's a binder, and then we we maybe have like a small CD organizer worth of ones that 
I kind of kept the packages for like my wife wanted to keep all the Disney ones and uh, my my youngest has the Jurassic movies and cool boxes and stuff so we kept those but so yeah. on average like let's just say for this year 2021 how many movies do you think you will purchase physically uh i might get Zack snyder's justice league <laughs> well you got wonder woman 84 for me so that's one well i i, well, I, mean, I was your wife bought it <laughs> yeah <laughs> i was wife. just the middleman i I was literally <laughs> amazon <laughs> I, I picked it for the amazon yeah i, I yeah i picked it up from the supplier being you and i brought <laughs> it to the you. customer yeah. <laughs> so so you probably you're so the suicide squad coming out you're a big dc guy are you gonna pick that up uh yeah like assuming that i love the movie yeah, yeah i'll probably i'll probably get that one uh zack snyder's justice league I, i'll tell you this much though like probably skip black widow shang chi and the eternals whereas wow. like i bought all the mcu movies to date and it's not that i love the mcu any less it's just like where's the jumping off point far from home is the epilogue to the infinity saga so it's like you know what i might as well jump off there yeah my, my youngest has a freaking tom holland water bottle so i'm sure we'll own the third movie in that <laughs> but it won't be mine and like I say, Tom Holland, it's not Spider-Man Tom Holland. It is Tom Holland. <laughs> You're going to have to suffer through Chaos Walking and all his other movies. Oh, yeah, man. Like, I, I technically own a Tom Holland Far From Home Hot Toys, but it has literally never been in my Marvel room. <laughs> like, never. Yeah. I, I think maybe eight minutes when I first brought it home. Oh, this is cool. But, Here you go. <laughs> but yeah, like I, yeah, I'm embarrassed to admit in front of you but yeah i've i've kind of moved away from the the physical media thing just it's okay we all gotta grow up sometime peter pan can't stay peter pan forever uh timbo how about you 10 years ago what were you buying and uh, what are you buying now I, I have a really funny history with physical media when it comes to to films i i'm gonna go back a little further than 10 years ago to to my mid to no nope, the question was 10 years you got to stick to the question <laughs> this is part this of the is why story. we made notes because actually i've actually done two transitions in my life so i i started off as quite a, a prideful collector of, of dvds and, and blu-rays and all that but when i got to university i had no money and i found out the idea of high-speed internet i did spend some time Maybe downloading movies and putting them onto shocked. CDs? Maybe shocked. I had a, I had a shoot fairly substantial digital collection in like 2000. Gotta make a anonymous phone call. 2000 to the Calgary Police Service. I say 2006, seven, eight, even into like my post university days, I had terabytes of films and TV shows. Like I was, I had a massive digital collection because. I travel a lot. I didn't have money. <laughs> so, and I love watching movies and TV shows. And so I had these hard drives I would carry around, some that need to be plugged in. And then eventually they transitioned to ones that you didn't need to have a physical plug for anymore. And so, like, I, I always had a digital library, like, even before digital was really a thing. And then when I got into a phase in my life where I had a bit more money and I liked the idea of collecting, 
I got into buying Blu-rays again. And I always would have Blu-rays given to me for the holidays and for my birthday. It was always a staple of something that I had. And I, you know, proudly displayed Blu-rays for years and had, you know, every TV stand I owned in the last, you know, say 10 years or whatever had a, a place where I had DVDs and Blu-rays displayed. But in the last couple of years, I've made a full stop transition into digital, whether that be through buying things on iTunes or just having it available on a streaming service like Netflix. It now, like, I only buy MCU and Star Wars steelbooks. It's the only physical media I buy. And to be honest with you, I bet you the last 15 I've bought, I don't think I've ever even pulled the disc out of the case. I don't remember the last time I popped a disc into a Blu-ray player. So that was going to be my next question was um, your favorite movies. Do you watch them on disc or do you watch them on streaming? Streaming. Like I, I own, I own like six copies of star Wars and I only watch on Disney plus the MC movies. I, like I said, I don't last six movies I bought never even come out of the case. Yeah, man. Like our 4k TV, I don't have a physical media player attached to it. Like we, it's one of those, like it had amazing built-in apps. And then I upgraded our, our cable box to a 4k box and yeah. And it's hardwired into my internet. So Mm -hmm. I get pretty excellent picture quality out of that. And it's funny, like I, my kid, she's been falling in love with the Reeve movies again. And I had bought Superman, no, you get. I, I, I got Superman one off of you. Um, 4K. Yeah. Yeah. So, we we had that in our iTunes, which is built into the TV. So she'd watch it there, and she's like, "Oh, I want to watch Superman too." And I was like, "Well, yeah, it's just it's on the shelf downstairs." And it's like, "Well, no, like, can it just be on here?" And I'm like, "I am not buying <laughs> a iTunes copy of Superman two. Just so that you don't take either the copy that I have downstairs or the one that's upstairs in your room kind of thing. Yeah. And hilariously, she did watch Superman 2 recently when they uploaded it to Crave last month to coincide (laughs) with Zack Snyder's Justice League. Oh, no. <laughs> it's, but it's, it's, well, at least at least she's at least she's watching that, and at least she appreciates the classics. So you know yeah. what? Well, it, it's her. the convenience of it, though, and that's that's what's always struck me about the digital aspect of it. Right? It's at my fingertips. Like I can watch this on an airplane. I can watch this on an iPad. I always upload as many movies as I can when I'm traveling. Like I don't travel. Like I used to travel a lot for work, and don't at all anymore. But to me, it was always the no con- one traveling. Right no, now. of course. <laughs> But it's me is always about the convenience of it and accessibility. And then when Disney Plus comes along, like even Star Wars wasn't available digitally into the last couple of years. Like even yeah. like they didn't like they never released it digitally up until I think like three four years ago. And then now of course it's on Disney Plus. Well, well um, you know, you guys bring up a good point that you guys are all you know making that transition to streaming and, and digital. And you're definitely not the only ones. Like I'm definitely the outlier in that group and the numbers bear that out like if you go back to 2008 which isn't even that long ago it's what 13 years ago dark knight iron man both come out smash the box office you know everyone loves those films they made a combined 500 million dollars in physical media sales 
500 million. So you fast forward to 2019 and you got Infinity War and you got Joker. Another two movies that like smashed the box office. People fell in love with them. They made a combined 160 million. Holy so, you smokes. Know, and that's yeah. two movies that people were buying. Like, yeah. Y- y- you saw people buy those movies kind of thing. Those were like Shoot. two of the highest grossing ones. So that's a $300 million difference. And, you know, there's like a there's a real world effect to that lot that lost revenue. Like if you look at um, a film like the Wolverine X-Men Origins, you know, none of no one really like loved that film or very much even liked that film for that matter. Um, but you look at look at a film like that. So that's 2009. It comes out, doesn't do well with critics. The box office, it has a budget of 150 million, makes 180 million in the U.S. and another 194 million internationally for about 375 total. So, you know, just looking at those numbers, you're like, okay, there's no way this thing's going to get a sequel, right? Like the numbers just don't bear it out. And if that's today, it doesn't get a sequel and it doesn't get Logan, but it sold another $112 million (laughs) on Blu-ray and DVD. So that made it profitable enough for them, Fox, to say, okay, we're going to do this again. We're going to do the Wolverine and then we're going to do Logan. So do you think like, films can recoup that much like i don't think anyone any streaming streaming service and i don't know the, you know the the um contracts or what they're paying out but i don't think any streaming service is paying 112 million dollars for a film these days i could be wrong i could be wrong they paid like 500 million for two knives outs didn't they <laughs> but that's to produce it as well yeah right? well like, so, like it's it's interesting that the idea of lost revenue because it's is it lost revenue or is it revenue that's been transformed into streaming service revenue, right? And and having a library of exclusive digital content in some capacity, or you can get this here or whatever, right? Like, does that, like that, is that revenue just transformed into to different stream as opposed to being completely lost? Yeah, I wonder. I wonder what Netflix was paying to license some of those movies. Like, and... like Disney said, they they lost billions of dollars because they cut their Netflix stuff short in their transition to their own streaming service. So they left money on the table that they could have had in Big pocket time. if yeah if they had just let Netflix keep paying. So yeah, maybe it's that lucrative. But at the same time, like I wonder. And obviously, I can't speak for everybody in the world, but I just look at myself and like with the with just Netflix, not Disney Plus, not HBO Max or any of the other streamers that, that I have now. Um with just Netflix, that caused me to pare down all the other movies, like something like The Count of Monte Cristo. Went to the theater, loved it, wanted to buy the, the disc. Mm-hmm. But once Netflix came into the into the frame that's the type of movie that I wouldn't necessarily buy. Mm-hmm. I just kind of wait till it showed up on Netflix. And, mm-hmm. and you know, like there was a different conversation at the outset where Netflix licensed more stuff for more places and had way more movies on it type of thing. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like I, I look at myself and those were things that I transitioned away from. Like the Wolverine's a bad example. Cause that just cause it was Wolverine. Like I, or X-Men Origins or whatever. Like, that's one that I bought because I love the characters, but... Yeah, like, everyone bought it, right? It's just what you did because it wasn't <laughs> on any streaming service, right? So, like, well, I'm just going to pick it up. It came out, or maybe, you know, you get it for a Christmas present. Your parents are like, oh, you know, 
Carlos likes superheroes, here's Wolverine, or Tim likes superheroes, here's Wolverine, right? So but, uh, yeah. everyone kind of picked it up. But do you have to factor in, too, when you're, when you're looking at that, like, the digital rental as well? Because, like, the, the idea of, of renting from a blockbuster and all that, of course, is gone. But, like, just to going back to the conversation about the thank you next type thing is, like, is a rental enough for people now? Like, even this past year, I've paid, you know, 20, 30 bucks to rent a film. Yeah, to get on VOD, and I've paid, you know. Well, is that like the ones that were in, supposed to go out in theaters? But yeah, know, some of those. But even like, but even for some of the stuff, like, I believe I paid like six, eight bucks to watch the King of the Monsters, and there's a few films that we've talked about that I didn't have access to in physical, and they weren't digitally, so I just paid for them. And so, but I don't like, I don't have any desire to own king of the monsters and like i'm, I'm probably not going to revisit it and so that that factors into that discussion we're having before about the rewatchability of a lot of these films right like the physical media drives you because you want to own it but you also want to have the ability to watch it whenever you want and i think that's where the, the digital comes in as well yeah and with something like king of the monsters it's like the clutter factor like factors in too right at least like it did for me and that's why i i got rid of all those movie boxes was because like this is space for sweet sweet McFarlane's so <laughs> I need that that's why like the uh, the physical or like the shelf space for the Blu-rays and DVDs of old had to had to die so that uh, so that this guy right here could fly <laughs> so that Batman could fly <laughs> yeah and uh, yeah so that's part of it too like I've had that conversation with myself as well, where it's like, uh, I could buy this movie from like the $5 bin that I've been interested in, or I could just rent it and then not have to deal with finding a home for the disc after. Mm -hmm. uh, the other side of that too, it's like, I I used to work as a grocery, at a grocery store and we used to bring in movies and I'd always be surprised at the people that would buy the movies. And they were like, they weren't overly cheap either. But, like, you'd get people that would come through and I'd be like, oh, did you see this? Did you like it? Because that was always my marker for – because I've always loved going to the movies. But that was always my marker for something I'd buy would be something that I saw and I loved it and I wanted mm -hmm. to experience it again. But I had tons and tons of people that would come through that were like, no, I thought it was interesting. It's cheaper for me to just do it this way than it is for me to go to the theater. And that was the way that they consumed those movies back then. But in this digital age – a, when you have so many options, you don't even get to everything right no. away. And then B, when you can buy it for five or six bucks, consume it the one time, which I'm sure most of the grocery store folks are doing. Why deal with the with finding a home for that disc afterwards mm -hmm. and stuff? Mm -hmm. You definitely do. Like as your collection grows, you know, not everyone can afford to have like. Uh... Not for it, but can has a space to have like an entire room dedicated. You know, I'm lucky that you know my my basement. I have like an extra room that I'm able to put everything in. But you know, if you're living in an apartment or, or like a con, like I couldn't put all these movies in. And like even in my old house, they all just kind of sat in the basement um, until we moved in. And this one, I was able to put it in. So you, you're definitely right. Like space is a factor uh it's it's probably you know one of the pros for streaming uh, 
is at the space. But do you guys notice now? Maybe you know, maybe I'm just the only one. But do you guys notice a decline in quality between the disc and the streaming version? Like for me, I really notice it, and this this thing drives me crazy. Is when you're watching a a, a film and it's nighttime, <laughs> and they show a shot of the sky, and it's streaming, and you see like little juts of color. It'll be like black, a little bit less gray, dark gray, light gray, like the and you circles. Can see yeah, you can see it very clearly, no matter what you say. Every time I stream a film, I notice that. And but it all depends if... on your source, right? So, like, the only comparison would be is if you have, like, your disc on a 4K player running to a 4K TV, and then if you had your Netflix, your iTunes, whatever, from a 4K Apple TV or a a 4k app built into your tv um showing it on a 4k tv kind of thing right so correct me if i'm wrong but i think like you're watching like standard definition netflix on your 4k tv and then you're watching like the same thing on a 4k disc on your 4k tv like it, it it's gonna look better guaranteed because you're kind of going from a 720 ish <laughs> type reality to yeah yeah 4k is the, the i think the hard part with the comparison is to be honest with you, i've never done a side by side to see the difference and i guess it's until you have the appreciation for the differences when you actually realize it i think most people if they're probably not super fussed about the 4k because it's whatever their tv does right it's whatever their internet connection allows and Mm -hmm. not knowing any different it's not a great answer but i honestly don't know the difference and to be honest with you would i would i change how i approach my digital consumption because i can get better quality probably not yeah for me it depends on what you're watching like i actually recently dropped my 4k netflix because I'm like, why am I paying the extra six bucks? And so my Netflix, I have a built-in app into my 4K TV. And my 4K TV is hardwired to my router. So I was sure. getting like 4K <laughs> Netflix or as close to as Netflix can push out. But yeah. at the same time, I'm like, well, why am I paying the extra money to watch freaking Shameless in 4K? Like it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't matter, right? Like who cares? Like ironically... Yeah. Army of the Dead was the first thing I've watched on Netflix probably in a year that warranted uh, the better picture quality kind of thing because I was watching stuff like Shameless or Parks and Rec and things of that nature. So, Yeah, you bring up a good point. Like if I have a film, let's just say, I don't know, throw out like a random like, you know, one with not a lot of special effects, like Liar Liar, Jim Carrey, classic comedy. <laughs> That one doesn't have to be in 4K, right? But, you know, you mentioned Jurassic Park, Jurassic World, Transformers is another one. If you're getting these big sci-fi movies where they're spending over $250 million, you know, like Jurassic World and whatever. Uh, not Jurassic Park, I don't know how much they spent on that. But, you know you know, you know what I mean. Like, you know, uh, The Suicide Squad, those types of movies, Infinity War. You know, don't you want to see, like, the best that they have to offer to be like, okay, let's see this thing. It's like, Let's see this primo package, right? Like, you know, people are paying so much for TVs and speakers and whatnot now. 
you know, don't you want to see it in the best quality? And like speakers too, like the sound quality. Now I just have a um, soundbar, so I don't have like the the pimped out like speaker system. Mm-hmm. But I've heard like people say like it is an audible difference for your ears as well as your eyes. Four uh, K disc versus streaming. If you have the right setup, I think I think is what it comes down to, right? If you've put the time and effort into even having a dedicated movie room where you can have the lights off, you have the the proper surround sound, it's all calibrated, and you have that big 4K TV with the 4K disc. Like, I think, yeah, that experience is probably unmatched. But the amount of people, myself included, that just don't have that setup, like, it doesn't make a huge difference. It's not something I'm thinking, like, ah, it didn't come through the way that I wanted. and And I guess it's the experience that you're chasing. And yeah. is everyone exper- chasing like the top end experience? And does that, like, I can honestly say I've never sat back and said the quality of this has been diminished so much that my enjoyment of it has been equally diminished. Yeah. Like it depends on what it, like uh, I fully admit, like I got my 4k setup through our cable provider in anticipation of Zack Snyder's justice league. Like that was why, we did our upgrade and all that kind of stuff. And, and even movies like BVS, like I don't even like that freaking movie. I like <laughs> half an hour out of two and a half, but like I bought the 4k off of iTunes and it's, mm-hmm. it's a marked difference. And I was watching on Blu-ray and stuff like that before that. So yeah, it is sweet. So I, I do get what you're saying, but mm-hmm. yeah, like on the average, like, if I'm Quiet Place 2, like that's a movie that I'm really anticipating watching. Uh, it's going to be a great looking film and whatnot. But is that something that tomorrow I can watch it on my standard definition Netflix or I can pay the freight and buy the 4K disc to watch it? I'm probably just going to go with the standard definition Netflix that I have. Um, and that's no disrespect to, to the film and whatnot. It's just, it's just what it is, right? Um, the suicide squad, if it's the same scenario, yeah, maybe I do go out of my way to make sure I can get that 4k experience type of thing. And, uh, let's just see. So streaming now, you know, we talk about Netflix and Disney plus and whatnot. How many streaming services are you guys currently on? Uh, me, myself, and I, I'm on Netflix, uh, Crave, Amazon Prime. Uh, it's freebie. And, that, that's uh, got an asterisk, man. Like, <laughs> it, it, you got that because of shipping. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, and Shudder. And Shudder. So I'm on four. Oh, really? Good for you. Yeah, I like Shudder. It's good. It's got some yeah. good horror stuff. And it's and Shudder's interesting because they'll put out a movie, Shudder exclusive, and then they'll put out the disc as well. They say this is only on Shutter, but you can also get the DVD or Blu-ray. So I commend them for doing that. I wish other streaming services would do that. But uh, how about you guys? What are you guys on these days? Yeah, I'm on Netflix, Disney Plus, Crave. And, and sorry, for people in the States who don't know, Crave is kind of like HBO Max. Max. Yeah, it's a Canadian of. version because of content rights and creative controls and contracts so sorry you're on you're saying yeah disney plus netflix crave uh, the freebie amazon we've had apple 
plus or whatever it is in the past. Mm-hmm. And I think that's everything, plus our iTunes digital library and all that. So, yeah, only, I guess, technically three plus uh, Amazon Prime. And, and you, Carlos? Yeah, same as Tim. Like, I, I, the Netflix, the standard version of it, Crave, Disney Plus, the the Prime freebie. Although, like, it's making an argument that it's something that I would pay for. Well, they just bought MGM. Uh, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but even just stuff like like I love the boys, I loved Hunters, mm-hmm. I love Invincible. Law and Orders on there. <laughs> yeah, D'Onofrio. Not... Come on, you Kingpin fans. <laughs> yeah. Um Yeah, so the, they're starting to make some moves. Like I'm curious to see like if and when they start charging money for it. Like they mm-hmm. get... they spent all that money on that Lord of the Rings series. <laughs> so yeah. it's like where do, where does that come from? Uh well, Jeff Bezos is probably finding his couch, but yeah, those are the ones I have. And then we do have the Apple TV Plus, but it was a free trial because uh, my wife got a new phone, and I literally have it in my calendar, like cancel on this date. Like it's it's not yeah. something that I'll be keeping. <laughs> so, well, you mentioned an interesting thing, Tim, about your digital locker there that you own on iTunes. Now, I I made a joke earlier today that. Uh, WB, if they want to grab my Zack Snyder's Justice League, they got to pry it out of my cold dead hands, right? Um, but with streaming, they don't have to. You know, the movies that you buy, you don't actually own them on streaming. Like, they can go in. There's been cases where rights have been reverted and people go into their digital locker to try to watch a film. Now, it doesn't happen often, but it does happen. And they go in and they say, hey, it's missing what's going on um what was the one in canada and it was big i think it was like uv ultraviolet or something yeah was so that the, so that that transition though right like the i didn't lose so i went through all that because all the the sony and wb stuff was exclusively on this ultraviolet or whatever it was maybe the transition ultraviolet or, or something anyways it like the because some movies can't go onto iTunes because of exclusivity and all. They had to go over onto this, but they all transitioned to Google Plus or Google, whatever it is, yeah, the Google, Google Play. Play. Um, and so they gave you this big notice, like you go in, you, you do all this, and you transition it all over, and it goes over. So I don't think, like, and I might be wrong on like the exact laws in Canada and the U.S., but like you technically own a digital copy once you've paid for it, right? It's a unique copy. It's like a rental. It's like a rental where they can go in and they say, you know what, we're we're changing the rights and you don't have it anymore. So yeah. You go in one day and be like, hey, where's where's my Wonder Woman eighty four? Like it's not there. That's not a bad thing. But like, um, <laughs> <laughs> I had a buddy who bought uh, Cobra Kai like when it was a YouTube show, and then when Netflix took it, like that's kind of the most recent one that mm. I can think of. Where, yeah. yeah, he lost his like I think he had like three or four like three or four episodes or whatever and they just disappeared um yeah and it's interesting that you bring up that that ultraviolet because i had a digital copy of man of steel that was like floating around in this locker and i couldn't access it half the time until Uh. it like finally ended up in the google play store and then it's like it's there and they upgraded it to 4k for me which was kind of (laughs) nice well you know it's not just like uh, them going in and removing films, they can change existing films, you know. And, uh, you know, for example, Disney Plus, uh, there's a movie, I can't remember the name, I think it's called Mermaids, but I could be mistaken. It was with Tom Hanks and it features mermaids. So, mer- splash, and a bit of- splash, yeah. Again, sorry. how are you the movie guy for the show? 
I was thinking, <laughs> I was thinking of the Cher movie, Mermaids. You know, Cher's back again, so you know, um, bringing her up. But uh, so they, there's a scene. I haven't seen the movie, but there's a scene where a woman's walking. You can see her from behind. She's not wearing anything, and, and you can see her butt. But Disney Plus, being them, they're like, well, we can't have that. So they digitally altered her hair, so that way you can't see her butt. I mean, that's just like a small example, but like, um, you know, George Lucas, he went in and he said, you know what, these Star Wars special editions, I'm going to make changes to this. And he made them. And that was the only thing that was out there. But like, if he went back today and he's like, you know what, the prequels, I'm just, I want to add something. I want to change something. And he went in and he's like, okay, I'm going to change this, do this, da, 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 da. If you only have the streaming copy, that's the only version you can watch from then on out. But if you have the disc and, and the 4K and the Blu-ray and the DVD, George Lucas isn't going to come into your home. First off, that'd be awesome. But he's not going to come into your home and be like, oh, I made the special edition. Here you go, Tim. I'm going to take this one back. You get this new special edition. You know, and, and if people had, you know, if physical media was not just VHSs back in the day, then the original versions of Star Wars before they were altered would be floating around more readily than they are now. So, you know, there, there is that as well. Like, do you guys... I mean, is, do you guys worry about that at all? Like thinking like in the future, like, oh, maybe they're going to do this or maybe, um, like, you know, what if what if in Top Gun, you know, the second one, the sequel, they uh, they removed Tom Tom Cruise's patches there. Uh, he had a Taiwan flag yeah. in there. What if, you know, you know, Chinese market is very big right now. They're kind of influencing Hollywood in a lot of ways. What if they said, we don't like seeing Tom Cruise flying around in a Taiwanese flag in the back in Top Gun 1 take it off and what have they do but when you're talking about like george lucas tinkered with star wars for like he he always assumed them to be unfinished they're always a a, a a piece in motion right and it was very fluid and the changes he made you know outside of the special edition where they're updating effects are fairly immaterial to the movie right it doesn't change the movie like adding the hair to that mermaid or whatever doesn't change the movie you get to see one less butt you could type in butt on the internet and see however many you want right like it, <laughs> well that was just like one small example but, no, but it still like, changes the change and and i and i understand and i and i can appreciate where you're coming from but like does it does it matter to me you know they added like the when they updated the version onto disney plus to star wars like the mcclunky thing became where greedo said a different word and and i don't know like i think it's cool that we can own, and I do own, and a lot of Star Wars fans own the the every single version that has ever been put out of Star Wars. But at the end of the day, does it concern me that they can go in and tweak things? You know, your boy did that exact thing <laughs> for a whole freaking movie, right? So they had that ability to do that, and so they did it. And like, is a is a company, you know, outside of George Lucas, and maybe some Disney edits for content in that. No one's going to spend any money to go back and revamp Liar Liar or whatever, right? Like, no one, no one cares. Like, they're not going to put their money into it. And and I think what they said with Star Wars, too, is that the version that George Lucas gave them is the version that will exist in there because that was the version that George Lucas considered the final version. And so, like, I'm not concerned about Disney going in and tweaking the story or tweaking some effect and – he did that because he could, right? He owned them outright, and he wanted to apply new technology. There were testing grounds, the special editions especially, for the prequels, what he wanted to do in the prequels. 
he went back and redid stuff so he could apply this new technology. So no, I guess long answer. No, <laughs> uh, it, it, it doesn't concern me. Like the idea of, of digital ownership is interesting, but at the end of the day, if all of a sudden they go and wipe my iTunes library, I'm going to be maybe upset a little bit, but not, not in a way that I'm going to create a big fuss. I think. What about you, Carlos? Yeah, I like honestly the only movie that I'm truly precious about is like 1987's RoboCop, right? Like mm-hmm. that that is truly the only one that it's like don't touch this piece of perfection it's kind art, of thing man. for me. Films are yeah. art, and you wouldn't go in and mess with the Mona Lisa. No, it that is very true. That it, I 100% endorse that. Um yeah, like there there are a few of the little kind of censorship things, like the the splash piece to have it exist on the regular Disney Plus, like those kind of things don't bother me. But things like the removal of the flags from Tom Cruise's jacket mm-hmm. to kind of fit political appetites in other markets that you're selling the film, like yeah, that is kind of concerning. And if they're gonna go back and mess with and adapt. Uh, or and change older movies and like now where you know there's kind of there's sentiments where things are maybe n- not kosher anymore that existed in movies that we had in the 70s 80s 90s 2000s like I- i'd hate to see american pie get ripped to shreds and changed and altered and redubbed so that it's politically correct now and <laughs> pg-13 we even go back to some of the like most popular shows of all time like the early office episodes friends like there's all stuff in yeah. there that would never make it to air today oh i know yeah the, yeah. the family had uh friends on the other day and i was just like oh my goodness like the stuff <laughs> with like monica when she was younger and whatnot i was like they wouldn't even have this conversation no at no. the at the in the writer's room at this point in time But yeah, like there is like you do make a good point about Mm -hmm. for political reasons or um, for like just kind of cultural perceptions and things like that. I have no problem with them putting disclaimers on the front of movies like Warner Brothers did with Gone with the Wind. Um, Just kind of saying like, you know, social views back then were very different. We don't endorse them, but this is the movie and here you go kind of thing. But it's not that much of a leap to think that like they could start going in and tinkering movies and changing them to be a little more politically correct or to take things out to appease uh, entities that you want to sell it to. So yeah, that is a concern and a definite tick in the favor of physical media. Right. So yeah. And like one of the things that I found was a stat that was interesting and it's kind of alarming um, and I, I want to get this right. And it said that, um, okay, so this is, I think the American Film Institute has this stat, but it says over half of all movies before 1950 that were created are lost forever. They were on film reels. Studios didn't take care of them. They didn't curate them. You know, film was kind of explosive and literally it would explode back in the day. It was, it was mm-hmm. volatile with the chemicals that they use. So half of all movies before 1950 gone forever. We'll never see them. And 90% of all movies made before 1929 are gone forever. And, and, you know, that's kind of a scary stat. And when you talk about this world that we're living in, it's going ever evolving into digital. 
um, you know, do you worry about today's films kind of being lost in the ether? Like, you know, now it seems kind of ridiculous, but like, let's say 50 years from now, you know, we don't, we can't predict the future. Netflix is, is no more. So all their servers of all their movies, because like they gotta store these movies in huge servers, it costs tons of money to, to you know keep the ones and zeros going, and that's all the films are reduced to at this point are just ones and zeros um, that are streaming. Do you worry about future generations consuming our media as being like, okay, like you know I have this disc of you know Zack Snyder's Justice League or um, 300 or Blade Runner 2049 or The Shining. Um, you know, this disc will be there. You take good care of it. It'll probably last, you know, however last long, you know, 100, 200 years. Whereas digital stuff, you know, if they don't take good care of it, Netflix goes under. I, I don't worry about that, that like it just degrades to the point that you can't get it anymore or anything like that. But I do worry about somebody just not offering it anymore. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like that know. happens a ton. Whatever, like RoboCop two. Like, let's yeah. say ten years from now, they're like, mm, "Actually, I'll do you one better." The RoboCop TV series. <laughs> I would kind of like to watch that again. Yeah, because it's a moment in time, right? Like, right. I remember being a kid and watching it with my brother and stuff like that growing up. But you can't really find it for a reasonable price anymore. Mm -hmm. And no streamer is going to pick that thing up because it is truly terrible. There's yeah. no two ways about it. Yeah. But like once that handful of copies at a premium price on Amazon disappear, how would I watch that? Right. Like, and how would I access that? Right. And, and that's just me. And then like when I'm done gone, like maybe my kids are like, we need to memorialize dad. And we're super sick of watching those Michael Keaton, Batman movies. <laughs> Let's let's watch RoboCop, yeah. the TV series with our uncle, and it doesn't exist anymore because you just can't get it right. It's like, yeah, it's a thing, but Netflix doesn't have it, and Crave doesn't have it, and Amazon Prime didn't upload it to their servers mm -hmm. when they bought MGM, so they don't have it. And how do we access this thing, right? So yeah, and you bring up a good point because with with streaming now taking over you know discs are going out of print so like a lot of times um you'll have a movie that just doesn't get made anymore and it's not picked up on any streaming service um i'm trying to think of like some shout factory titles like some horror movies that have kind of gone out of print or um the film the film nashville um the criterion collection had that film uh and uh, it, it, the Criterion Collection doesn't sell it anymore. It went out of print, and I think there are plans to release it in the future, but maybe not, you know? Um, and that's, like, a classic. I think it maybe won the Oscar. So, like, you know, like, stuff like that, you bring up a good point. Uh, Tim, what are your thoughts on this? Like, do you see, like, the lost film being more? Because, like, Netflix isn't going to, like, you know, they, they have stats on everything that everyone watches, right? And they're not going to be like, well, why are we paying, you know, I don't know, Universal, or why are we paying WB... For example, like fifty, you know, a million dollars a year to license three hundred. For example, we had eight people that watched it in twenty fifty. You know, let's just get rid of it, and then they dump it, and it, and then it just never gets picked up again. Like, do you worry about that? Uh I guess a little bit when you frame it in that way that we could just lose the ability, especially for things that maybe are exclusively on Netflix. We lose the ability to 
to find a way to consume it. But like with something like to say the RoboCop TV series, like that was hard to get before streaming, right? Like that, mm-hmm. that that's that's just a, a a consumption thing that that no one was after this this type of thing in any real capacity. And the fact that it hasn't been uploaded isn't it isn't a streaming service problem. It's a a problem with the <laughs> oh, it's all, it's all. But well, to kind of bridge those two, then Daredevil on Netflix. Yeah, it could go away. So yeah, let's say there's a scenario where whatever agreement Disney and Netflix had lapses, but that's Netflix's show, Mm -hmm. but you're not allowed to show it because it has our character and Disney plus can't have it because it's not their show, but it is their character and it's just lost in limbo. So then that's a, that's a real world example of something where I think people would have or take issue with it. Right. Cause that that's, that's a really interesting point because I see that that could potentially happen. Yeah. Like ultimately, well, I, like I'm not concerned about like Netflix going under because if Netflix goes under, someone's gonna buy them and have their library, mm-hmm. right? And put no that. No one bought Blockbuster. Yeah, but that was like, but the but did Blockbuster didn't own like they own the copies, but they didn't own the rights like to 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 show them yeah, right. And so like if Netflix is at risk of going under, Disney's gonna buy them for their library, right? They bought Fox for a library and for IPs, but like and that that's that's something that to expand these streaming services, you need a consistent uh, renewal of content, whether it's original or things that you've purchased that you're putting on to drive. Like I spent no time in the stars version of, of Disney plus up here in Canada, which is like the Hulu version or whatever the, the adult part of it. But I know there's a library there that I'll wander into at some point, but like if they took that away, I wouldn't be, any different what I'm watching on Disney plus right now. So like it's, it's interesting point that you highlight about the concept of things being unable to, to watch and we're more at risk of that with the new stuff than we are. I think of the old stuff, like there are always going to be copies as long as you get a VHS, but there's always going to be a copy of the 97 version of special editions kicking around. Right. You can go on a Kijiji here in Calgary and there's like 15 copies of it up. Right. So yeah, it's, it's funny. Cause You've got me thinking that's like, I came into this conversation suddenly looking at it in one direction. Like, yeah. Like physicals or, uh, or digital is the way to go. It's the way of the future, but you've highlighted some really good points here about how this transformation is, is a lot bigger than maybe I appreciated 45 minutes ago. <laughs> well, and, and the thing is, is like streaming is not just affecting physical media, you know, they're affecting theaters as well. And we touched on it, but like, just in terms of like what gets made, you know, nowadays it's like, we need stuff for our streaming service. So we're going to buy these studios. And then as streaming services get so large that they buy up studios, less and less movies are going to get put out in the theaters, right? Cause like MGM just got bought by Amazon. Amazon doesn't want to throw it in theaters. It'll say, just throw it on Amazon prime and let our Amazon prime members mm-hmm. watch it. You know, Disney bought Fox um, primarily from my understanding for their library for Disney plus. Right. And so now Fox, you just dropped a whole studio. So instead of getting, Movies made by Disney, movies made by Fox. Now you just get movies made by Disney. WB is like kind of floundering, you know, being passed around from AT&T to Time Warner to Discovery. Um, and they used to be like the big, big head honcho. So like, you know, it's the big studios are kind of shrinking. And as we're, you know, as the studios are shrinking. Yeah. 
it, we're getting less content. Like, well, not less content, less theatrical content. But maybe to I mean. bring this back around, because we got to wrap this episode up here in a few minutes. Because again, my fear <laughs> of us not having enough content has turned into a two-hour episode. But well, we're like a streaming service. Yeah. <laughs> but to bring it around to your theatrical experience, does this make, and this exact thing you just brought up, does this make the theatrical experience more of an event? Going back to that iconic movie being in theaters. Like we're getting all this Star Wars content on Disney Plus, and once every two years, three years, we get one Star Wars film in theaters. You know, does, does like and maybe the MCU goes the opposite way with that because they're doing four movies a year and all that, but does the theater experience become more of the event where everything else on streaming is like your 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 TV watching and you go see four movies a year? instead of having every single weekend having two major releases where you kind of throw your hands up in the air and you say, I can pick one movie a month realistically by the time I get a babysitter, all this mm-hmm. stuff. Like let's say we're back in real world. But is it more? are you more likely to go see the 40 movies that are being put out in theaters? Or are you more likely to see like the five high quality ones that are being put? You know, it's never going to be that low, but, but like I feel like, with streaming services, maybe do you open the capacity for the theater experience to be a more special one again? I mean, I think with the theatrical experience, they're only going to put in big blockbusters, right? Like movies that they're like, okay, we can get a return on investment. Mm. Your Wonder Woman's, your Captain Marvel's, your Star Wars, your Star Treks, those kinds of things. But does it make does like, it make those other movies more accessible too? Like if well, I mean, like the it kind of will eliminate like the mid tier blockbuster, right? Because they'll just be like, well, we can't make money off of like a courtroom drama or a comedy starring Adam Sandler, so we're just gonna throw that on streaming. And then so you know your but maybe that's where it belongs. Shrink. Like I, I with one hundred percent confidence can say I would have never in a million years seen Army of the Dead opening day in theaters. I would have never even watched but, it in theaters, but I watched it. I would have seen it opening day. I watched theaters, it, but I watched it on the sat like but. I watched it on the Saturday that it came out. I would have never Man. watched that. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know that that's a new thing. I had a, <laughs> I, I can remember telling my wife when she was my girlfriend a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, <laughs> that, like, we're not gonna go see. Uh, comedies in the theater because mm-hmm. you can't justify the cost of going to to the theater to watch a movie like that like and that's not to take anything away from the art of a comedy film but it's just without the spectacle there there's no there's no draw to paying the big money to go see it in the theater when i could see it at home and get the same thing out of it which is the jokes and the performances kind of thing but are we losing that shared collective then like what i love horror films you know that everyone knows that about me and one of my favorite things is seeing a horror film with a really active, lively mm-hmm. crowd. And you don't yeah. get that at home. If I go on Netflix and I turn on The Shining, I don't know if it's there. Yep. I, I you know, I get scared. I, I like it. I love it. It's one of my favorite movies. I went to the theater to see Paranormal Activity, the first one that came out. I had like, you know, teenagers screaming in the audience. I had this guy that looked like he would eat me for lunch. He was this huge, big guy that looked like tough as nails, like he ate glass for dessert. And, um, he was had his hand in his, you know, he had his eyes in his hand, and I, you know, I don't know this guy. I still remember seeing that image, and I, you know, I wouldn't invite him off the street and be like, "Hey, bud, you want to come watch a movie with me?" <laughs> Someone I've never met before and I'll never see again. 
but we had that shared collective and comedies is the same kind of thing it's like you laugh you think that's funny you know it's, mm -hmm. it's like the sharedness and i wonder if with covid going away and with everyone getting the vaccines if people will crave that again if they're like 100 i could watch this or i could go with my fellow man my fellow you know human and uh see this in a theater and laugh and cry and get scared yeah. together. Yeah. I think the tail of the tape will be not this year, but maybe kind of a year, 18 months from now, because I do think that there'll be some of that where you're longing to be out and engage with people again. So you'll have to, it'll be kind of like that dead cat thing in the stock market, right? <laughs> you'll yeah. get, you'll get that bounce back. And then once it becomes normal and once, the novelty of being back in the theater wears off a bit. Once you have a couple experiences of dummies using their cell phones in the middle of the theater or the people that decide not to bathe, then, <laughs> then we'll have to see where, where yeah. things. And, and does, does that collective lie. experience transition into a, you know, like a, let's say the Super Bowl, right? Where you have a group of people over to watch the Super Bowl and it becomes an event in your home. Does the movie going experience transition into something more like that? Like, do we watch the next Star Wars film down here together, right? Or at your place in 4K or what? You know what I mean? Like, there's definitely going to be a, a change, and, you know, it could be more in that direction as well. So, yeah, I can see people getting together, making it more of like, a, mm -hmm. like an event kind of thing. But cause, yeah, it's just, I don't know, man. Like, it's like, I, I love theatrical experiences and, uh, and I, know, I, stream, I, I'm not trying to like say like streaming is crap. Like I, ha I mentioned I had like four or five streaming services and I think they have a lot to offer. So I don't want people listening here to get like the idea that I'm just like old men yelling at clouds saying like, oh, streaming, you know, I, I think there is I think there's a future for them to coexist. Like, what do you want to see if you were, you know, what do you want to see in the next five years of physical media that, you know, you're the you're the grand Pumbaa, you're the grand king, you can say, you know what, this is what physical media and and streaming should be. I, I like I think ultimately, to kinda to bring this to a nice end, I think ultimately the like you said, there's a place for both. Right? And I think like everything coming out of the back end of this pandemic is that we're going to see the rapid evolution of everything that's happened and changed inside of the pandemic find a new place in some sort of hybrid model, whether it's the work from home, physically working in an office building change to the theatrical and streaming service experience is that we were forced to make this rapid transition into these different ways of consuming and the different ways of working. And the idea of going back to quote unquote normal doesn't exist. Like we're not going back to mid 2019 when this is all over, right? We've experienced and lived two years of our lives in some form or another in something different. And we're not just going to devolve back into the comfort that we had in 2009. Things have changed. And I think everything has to change with it. And so ultimately, I think to your point, Sanjay, I think we're going to end up in a space where there is a hybrid model where they do coexist and maybe theaters are more your event and, and streaming services more for your broader consumption, but who knows, who knows where we could end. So, I think I think it's a good good place. It kind of comes full circle there from uh, how we started this conversation to how we're ending it. And to be honest with you, I think we could probably go for another couple of hours. And this definitely isn't the end of this conversation. And Sunny, I really appreciate you bringing this to us and us having another lively conversation around around this. And we'd love to hear what you guys have to think on the idea and concept around physical media. 
And yes, this is a lot longer podcast than, than we had anticipated, but it's a it's a good fun conversation and it's an it's a very I would say thought provoking conversation because I can tell you that I've ebbed and flowed throughout this conversation of my thoughts and opinions <laughs> and they're different from where they were at the start of this 45 minute hour long conversation. So again guys, it's it's always a pleasure to to get and dig into the weeds sometimes and get beyond just talking about news stories and talking about you know, the things that we would chat about offline or in the pub or, or when we get back at, at real life again. So if you want to be a bigger part of these conversations, you can always email us at the nerdroom at gmail.com. You can find everything we do over the nerdroom.net. The hunt is real and it's over at Instagram. You can see some cool photos of last week's big holy grail find success of Carlos and his family there. The Matt Reeves, not Matt Reeves, did it again. The Christopher Reeves Superman. <laughs> I threw up an image of the Lego Ecto-1 that I built there. And so I go over there and check out everything. We're anticipating maybe something from Troy here in the not-too-distant future. Maybe he'll crop up there. And Twitter, guys, you can always find us debating, discussing, and elaborating on all these discussions over there. Our handles are at the end of the episode. So with all that being said, with another big episode behind us and with Jurassic June in front of us, so much more nerd to talk about Star Wars, Marvel, DC, and beyond. I gotta say, for this week, for the Nerd Room, I'm Tim. I'm Batman. And I'm Sanjay. Guys, thank you so much for entering the Nerd Room. This has been a Nerd Room Podcast production. You can find our hosts Tim, Troy, Sanjay, and Carlos on Twitter at TheNerdRM, TroyTheBoy87, Sanjabi, and CDN Caped Crusade R. For more content from the Nerd Room, check out TheNerdRoom.net. And don't forget to subscribe to The Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or wherever you plug in. Use the hashtag WeTheNerd to keep up with the latest from The Nerd Room on Instagram and Twitter.